Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Old Testament, as I've told you, is divided into four major sections, four major sections. We have the law, uh, history books, the poetry books, and prophecy books. The law, history books, poetry, and prophecy. The law, as you can see from our outline there, relates to Israel's moral life, and those books are Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. The history books relates to Israel's development and life. Those books are Judges and Joshua, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, history books, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. The poetry books relates to Israel's spiritual life. Job, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. And then we have the final section, the prophetic books. It relates to Israel's future life as fulfilled in the Messiah. That would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And the prophetic books are divided into two sections, two sections, the major prophets and the minor prophets. The major prophets are called the major prophets because of their length. The minor prophets are called the minor prophets because they are smaller than the major prophets. Major prophets aren't called the major prophets because they're in the major league. Amen. Because some of the minor prophets, although minor, they have a major message. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, uh, which was also written by Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Uh, The 12 minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Now, y'all repeat those back to me. (laughs) Amen. We've been studying in 2 Samuel, which is the historical section of the Old Testament. Now, if you were with us the last time, you know that we are post-fall of David's sin with Bathsheba. Uh, You know, David sinned with Bathsheba and that sin was exposed by Nathan the prophet and David confessed his sin and God forgave David and there was true repentance and true contrition and it was genuine. Although it was genuine, there were ramifications and repercussions that come along with it. Although God told David, the sword shall never depart from your house. In other words, David, because of your sin, there's always going to be trouble in your home. 
Last time those ramifications and repercussions began to manifest themselves in David's own children in David's own house. David's oldest son an heir to the throne, Ammon, raped his sister Tamar. They had the same father, but a different mother. Ammon and Tamar had the same father, but a different mother. Absalom and Tamar had the same mother and father. Second uh, Samuel 14, if you want to pop there and take a look at it, tells us that Absalom was extremely good looking. From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head, the Bible says there was no blemish on his face and all of Israel agreed that Absalom was good looking. Absalom had really thick hair and he had to cut it every year because it was so thick, it was so heavy. Absalom and Ammon had a lovely sister. Her name was Tamar. Ammon, you know, was sexually attracted to his sister. He was so smitten with how beautiful she was, he became physically sick. And don't get me wrong. Ammon wasn't lovesick, he was lust sick over Tamar. The Bible says she was a virgin, meaning she was available for marriage, but not to Ammon. Why? For two reasons. Number one, it's creepy. <laughs> Amen. That's her brother. And number two, uh, Leviticus chapter 18 forbids incestual relationships. Uh, Tamar, if you're taking notes, you write this down. Tamar means palm tree, signifying fruitfulness. Absalom means his father's peace. Ammon means faithful, stable. None of them answered their names. Second Samuel chapter 13 and verse 3. I want you to look at chapter 13 and verse 3. Jonadab, we covered this the last time. Jonadab, David's nephew, Ammon's cousin asked Ammon, why are you losing weight? You're getting thinner and thinner. Ammon said, because I'm in love with my sister and I can't have her. Jonas, Jonadab said, what's love got to do with it? Here's the plan. Go to your room and act like you're sick. And when your father comes in and asks what's wrong, that's when you say, dad, can you send Tamar to give me some food? Take my temperature and I'll feel better because it's coming from her hand. Look at verse six. Ammon did exactly what Jonadab said to do. Dad, David, sent Tamar to go make Ammon some food. And Tamar made some cakes and baked some sweet potato pies. Amen. It's Thanksgiving. Sweet potato pie. Okay. Pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? Pumpkin pie. Who's pumpkin pie? Pumpkin pie. All right. Who's sweet potato pie? Oh, pumpkin people, y'all need to leave. We, we got you outnumbered, okay? Sweet potato pies, Thanksgiving. I can't believe it. Almost, what, next week? Right this year ago. So Tamar, she made some cakes. And Ammon had everyone leave the room. Were y'all with me last time? And Ammon, when everybody left the room, Ammon grabbed her by the hand and he said, lie down with me. Look at verse 12 of chapter 13. She said, no, brother, don't do that. Get your grimy hands off me. Verse 13, she tries to reason with him. She said, I'll be shameful if I do this. And you'll be like one of the fools in Israel. Too late for that. Verse 14, Ammon didn't listen to her. And he was stronger than her. He forced her to lay down and he raped her. The Bible says after Ammon raped her, he hated her exceedingly. And the hate that he 
hated her with was greater than the love that he loved her with. In other words, after he got what he wanted, he hated her far more than he loved her. And he told her to leave me alone. And we talked about that the last time, didn't we? Isn't it the way it goes? Young ladies, single ladies, listen, that's the way it goes. When a young man wants something from you and he gets that something that he wants, he says, arise and be gone. He have no use for you anymore. We talked about that the last time. I'm going to encourage you. As a matter of fact, I asked that they make some extra CDs. I'm going to encourage you. If you missed last time, uh, 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 22, I call that teaching harvest time. I want you to stop by the bookstore. I talk about rape extensively. And maybe you might want to grab that teaching and give it to a friend. Give it to somebody that you know. It might comfort them. You know, I don't only do teaching and I don't only teach with Calvary Chapel in mind because a couple of things. One, I'm on the radio in many, many states, as you all know. And of course, nowadays they have podcasts. And so people are listening to your teachings all over the world, actually. And two, um, I don't prepare my teachings for just this audience because there's a whole world out there that maybe you might be able to pick up a CD and give it to them and they might give it to somebody and that might, they might give it to somebody and God might save somebody. Am I right about it? So I asked the Lord, Lord, just speak. Not just for Calvary Chapel. It's not about us four no more. Not just for Calvary Chapel, but for anybody, God, that you can use these lips and this mouth of mine for your glory to whomever, wherever, then to God be the glory, great things he's done. So you got to be mindful of that. When the guy gets what he wants, he's going to say to you, one, he's going to hate you more than he told you he loved you. Let's say that. Then he told you that he loves you. He's going to hate you more. And then he's going to tell you, arise and be gone. That's exactly what happened to Tamar. Well, she said, he told her to leave, and she said, no. Look at verse 16, chapter 13. She said, no, she refused. She said, Ammon sending me away is worse than raping me. Why? Because in that culture, the em- an emphasis was placed on sexual purity. And if a young woman lost her virginity, even through rape, she had little to no chance of marriage. And without marriage, no social future. And without marriage, no financial future. And without marriage, no children, which is in that culture, the sole single most important reason that a Jewish woman existed was to have children. But if she's been raped, well, now she's off the market, if you will. Well, verse 18, look at verse 18. The servant threw her out and bolted the door. Don't you like the details the Holy Spirit gives us? Threw her out, bolted the door. Her purity is ruined. Her probability to get married is gone. Tamar put puts ashes on her head, tore her robe, and sat there and cried, and Tamar didn't go to daddy. Isn't that interesting? She didn't go to daddy. Why? Probably because she knew daddy had the same kind of evil tendencies, Bathsheba. She didn't go to daddy. Well, look at verse 20. There must have been a visible grief on her face because her brother Absalom said, Tamar, everything okay? Has Ammon done something to you? And she doesn't answer. And Absalom said, 
Hold your peace and keep silent. That's where we left off the last time. And again, I can't encourage you enough. Pick up that teaching harvest time. Stop by the bookstore tonight. Pick it up. If you don't have three bucks, then just ask them to give it to you and we will give it to you. We want you to have it. Tonight we pick up in chapter 13 in verse 23. I've titled this sermon, Revenge. Revenge. Second Samuel chapter 13, we're picking up in verse 23. Saints, if you're looking at verse 23, say amen. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Belhazor, which is near Ephraim. And so Absalom invited all the king's sons. And then Absalom came to the king and he said, kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king, David, said to Absalom, no, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden on you. And then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Ammon go with us. And the king said to him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Amnon and all the king's son go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Ammon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Ammon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. And so the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. And then all the king's sons arose. Each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass while they were on their way that news came to David saying Absalom has killed all the king's sons and not one of them is left. And so the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground and all of his servants stood by with their clothes torn. And then Jonadab, the son of Shammai, David's brother, answered and said, let not my Lord suppose they have killed all your all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now, therefore, let not my Lord, the king, take the thing to heart to think that all the king's sons are dead for only Amnon is dead. Saints, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. I want you to look at chapter 13 and look at verse uh, 20. Look at verse 20. Absalom said to Tamar, stay here and hold your peace. Verse 22, Absalom didn't let Amnon know he knew anything. He also didn't say anything to David, his father, and maybe he was waiting to see if David was going to do something about it. So now in verse 23, we are two years later and David hasn't done anything. And I don't believe David would have ever done anything. Because David, listen, is paralyzed and crippled by his own sin and compromise. Let me tell you, that's, all, that's, that's the wrong thing to do. Don't allow yourself to be paralyzed and crippled by your own sin. And com- Parents, this is a word exhortation to you. Don't allow yourself to be crippled by your past. You know, sometime, and I've seen this happen, where parents will allow their kids to do ungodly things, to do drugs, to do things that don't please the Lord because they say, well, when I was 17, I did that. Or when I was younger, I did that. Or I got pregnant when I was 17. So, you know, things happen, you know, and then they let it go. That's hurtful to your kids. 
And what happens is you are paralyzed and crippled because you've done something. Now you're allowing your children to do it. You know, I will tell you this. If I only preached or could only preach on uh, a given topic because I had that situation perfect in my life, I would never preach. Y'all want to hear me. If I could only preach, if I could only preach on the topic that is perfect in my own life and in my own situation, I would never preach. In other words, if I could only teach on marriage because I had a perfect marriage, I would never teach on marriage. And none of y'all would even be here in this room because nobody has a perfect marriage. There's no such thing. Look, if you've been married, some of y'all, I know you've been married for a month and you think it's perfect. I know you do. You look at her nose and you think that that nose, you got me on that nose. That's the, that's the cutest nose I've ever seen in my life. I, I can't believe it. Every time I look at you, your nose is mesmerizing. <laughs> and you think you have a perfect marriage. Let me tell you something. There's no perfect marriage. Nobody has a perfect marriage. No preacher, no pastor, no bishop, no overseer, no elder. Amen. And there's a perfect marriage. Nobody does. So if I only could preach on a topic that I had perfect in my own life, I would never preach on that topic. If I could only teach on forgiveness because I perfectly forgive, I would never teach. The point is we can't be crippled by our own humanity and our own sin. We can't be. Don't let your past cripple you and keep you from using the Bible as your standard. God's word is a standard. God's word is right. God's word is true. Put those verses up for me so I can read it. There you go. We're talking about the standard of the word of God and we're talking about the the word of God is perfect in every way. And we as parents are not to compromise our standard because we were not perfect in that place in our lives. We have to hold steady and hold true to the word of God. Even if we didn't get it right, God's word is always right. Am I right about it? In Psalm eighteen thirty, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Do I have another verse up there? Give me another one. How can a young man, cl- a young man cleanse his way? Y'all, y'all read it with me. By taking heed according to the word. Do I have another one, Jim? Do I have another one? There it is. Heaven and earth. Y'all come on, read it with me. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God's word will never pass away. And therefore, we cannot compromise our lives And your role as a parent, as you are leading your children, because you have done something in your past. And so you compromise and allow your children to get away with that thing that you did in your past. God's word is true, even if we mess up, even if we disobey it. It doesn't make it any less true just because you disobey it. I'm going to add one other thing. It doesn't make it any less true just because you don't believe it. Am I right about it? God's word is true. 
Heaven and earth shall pass away. God's word shall never pass. David doesn't say or do anything. David could have said, Amnon, listen, son. God, the God that forgave me will forgive you. David could have said, Amnon, you've disqualified yourself from the throne. But God was gracious to me and he'll be gracious to you. He could have said, Amnon, step, step, step aside and let your brother assume the air. He could have stopped a lot of what's going to happen if David wasn't crippled by his own sin and afraid to say something. Verse 21 tells us David was angry. David was furious, but he doesn't say anything and he doesn't do anything. And Absalom didn't speak to his brother and he hated Amnon. And that's where murder comes from. Don't you understand? Murder comes from hatred. And David has some responsibility here. And the Holy Spirit wants us to know after two full years, don't you love that detail? After two full years, you got to wonder, did David even notice the boys weren't speaking for two years? Did he even notice that? Absalom had been seething and cooking and plotting revenge on Abnon. So after two full years, it's sheep shearing time. It's sheep shearing time. Sheep shearing time is a time of festivity. It's a time of party and celebration. Everybody gets invited to eat lamb chops, essentially, and enjoy. Verse 24, Absalom invites David and all the servants to the party. Verse 25, David said, no, it's too much. Too many of us. You guys go ahead. And David gave them the blessing. Like, you know, when you pray, when people leave and you pray for like traveling mercy, like, Lord, you know, go with them. Lord, be with them. Cover them, Lord, keep them from car accidents and, well, you know, that kind of thing. Traveling mercy. He prayed for them, blessed them. Absalom said, Dave, Dad, how about verse 26? Y'all need to stay with me. How about letting Abnon go with us? David said, why do you want him to go? I hope that's suspicion. I hope. Verse 27, Absalom, like most kids, pressing Dad. Come on, Dad, let him go. Let him go. Notice over these two over these two years, these two full years, David has lost or, or Ab, Absalom, pardon me, has lost respect for his dad, David. Absalom doesn't trust his father. Somehow Absalom has learned not to listen to his father. Absalom becomes very manipulative and doesn't submit to the authority of his father or the authority of God himself. So Absalom just keeps pushing until he gets what he wants. Verse 27, David let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. He allowed them. He told his servants. So Absalom begins to enact the plan in verse 28. And then he told his servants, when Amnon is drunk and I say strike, then kill him. And don't be afraid. Just do what I tell you to do. Be courageous and valiant. Now, listen, look at me. That tells me a little bit, I think, about Amnon. Absalom tells the servants, I need you to be create, uh, courageous and I need you to be valiant. That tells me that Absalom, oh, Amnon, pardon me, so many A's, Amnon is probably pretty tough. He's probably a tough guy. He's probably like a force to be reckoned with because he, he, he tells them, Absalom tells his servants, I need you to be courageous. I need you to be valiant. And when I tell you, 
I want you to strike and I want you to kill him. Verse 29, the servants did exactly what they were asked to do. They killed Amnon. They got in their Lexuses and they took off. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what it says. They got on their horses, their mules, and they took off. Y'all got it. And remember, remember the prophecy of Nathan. Y'all remember the prophecy of Nathan? The sword shall never depart from your house. And we see that prophecy being fulfilled right here. Now, I want you to take note of some similarities. Notice Absalom premeditated the murder of Amnon. David premeditated the murder of Uriah. In both cases, murder was a means to achieve a desired end. David murdered Uriah to get Bathsheba. Absalom murdered Amnon to get the throne and revenge. David used his servant Joab to kill Uriah. Absalom used his servant to kill Amnon. David made Uriah drunk. Absalom made Amnon drunk. Don't you see that? And don't you find it interesting? When David heard in verse 30 that Absalom had killed all of his brothers, David believed it. Now, remember we talked about on Sunday, you know a person, you know what they'll do. Was that this past Sunday? You know what a person will do. You kind of get to know people and you know what they will do. Was that this? Okay, yeah. Okay, so... Sunday we talked about you know your kids, you know what they will do, you know what they won't do, you know people, you know what they will do, you know what they won't do, you know what kind of person they are. It is kind of interesting for me to see that David was told that Absalom had killed all of his sons or his brothers and David believed it. He automatically believed it. It's almost like David thought Absalom was capable of something as heinous as this. And I find it interesting that David reacts with mourning instead of disbelief. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.